Daisy. And I'm Terry. And this is the Monday Mindset Podcast. Where we talk about things of interest to us and hopefully to you. So let's get started with episode number 34. This week it's Terry's turn to share something that she found interesting. What have you got for us today, Terry? Well, Daisy, I went back to um, an episode from the Mind Valley podcast. Oh, we haven't had Mind Valley for a while. Yeah. I figured I would switch it up a little. <laughs> and this is an interview with Dr. Tal Ben Shahar. It's called The Five Key Elements to Live a Happier Life. So, Dr. Ben Shahar is a lecturer at Harvard. He teaches a course on happiness. He is the founder and director of an organization called the Happiness Studies Academy and the Happiness School. So he does a lot of things, obviously, studying happiness and teaching people about happiness. There's actually a certification that you can get through the academy. And he's also the author of a number of books, A Shortcuts to Happiness, um, The Joy of Leadership, Choose the Life You Want, Being Happy, Happier, and Even Happier. So obviously, as someone I want to look into in more detail. But in listening to this episode, I was just trying to pay attention to how to kind of simplify some of his points about happiness. And one of the discussion points is the idea of being happier versus talking about kind of seeking happiness or creating happiness as if you don't already have it. And I know that sometimes is a small kind of nitpicky way of talking, but I think it's important to emphasize that we attract, again, and you've heard me talk about this before, that we attract what we kind of put out there. And if we put out there that our goal is to become happier, mm. we're indicating that we already have some happiness mm. and that there's room to improve. No, it's quite a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So that was one thought that I liked that they covered in the episode. But then he has several models talking about happiness. And one of them I think is interesting to think about is he calls it the hamburger model. And it probably would be easier if the viewers could see it while we're talking, but I will give you a link to share. But if you think of a, you know, four quadrants, and so you have the upper left hand, the upper right, lower left and lower right, at the top of the page would be future. So the future of what's happening, and then the lower half would be present. And so if you were looking at the upper left quadrant, he referred to that hamburger as the vegetarian hamburger. Doesn't taste really good, but it's healthy for you and it's going to create something in the future that you want. And he referred to those of us in that kind of go through life in that quadrant as the rat racers. We live for the future, we focus on the destination only rather than the journey. We mistake relief for happiness and kind of have a motto of no pain, no gain. Mm. Then in the lower left is people who really aren't paying attention to happiness for the future or in the present. And they, he would refer to this as the nihilism quadrant. So folks who in this quadrant tend to have learned helplessness. They live in the past. They've given up on the idea of happiness. Mm. So the bottom right hand quadrant would be the hedonist way and 
people in this quadrant live for the present. They think only about immediate pleasure. They think only about the journey, enjoying the process. They don't think about the future and the outcome. They mistake pleasure for happiness, and their motto would be, seek pleasure, avoid pain. Now, none of those that I just talked about really are what he would call truly about happiness, and that would be the upper right hand. And so people in this quadrant, they can reconcile future and present focus. They focus on the journey and the destination. So I thought that was an interesting model just to think Mm. about how we approach being happier and creating more happiness in our lives. So he also has then a little model of kind of the five main parts of who we are and looking at increasing our happiness through these five parts of ourselves. So our spiritual, our physical, intellectual, relational, and emotional selves. And if you use this, those letters create the word spire. So it's his spire model. You can assess where you need or want to invest more energy. So let's say, for example, you're doing really well physically. You might not need to think about goals or changes in that area, but you may want to focus a little more energy on your relational life or emotional life. Again, just thinking about those five different areas. He also talked about the idea that being present is important, especially in the spiritual and emotional aspects. Being present, recognizing the joy, the meaning of the moment rather than just the future is really important. And then obviously he went in to talk some more about the hamburger model with that as far as the future and the present. So another theory that he shared that I thought was interesting, he said, those who focus on being happy as their goal, so someone who wakes up and says, you know, I really need to be happy, that's the most important thing, that when they do some studies on this, people who focus on it in that way actually are typically less happy. Rather, people who pursue happiness indirectly And so maybe you can think about if I focus on the SPIRE model, focus on the areas of my life that need more energy, that that can actually create more happiness than trying to embrace it directly. And his analogy for this made sense to me as he said, it's kind of like the sun. If you look directly at the sun, that kind of hurts, you know, it's going to cause some pain. But if instead you look at what the sun is doing and you see the rainbow that it creates or you see it glistening on a lake or something else, you get the benefits of it. But by looking at it directly, you actually are going to probably get more um, of the painfulness from it. When I was listening to him talk about the hamburger model, it also made me think a little bit about this idea that I have found in my work with clients for years as a psychologist and even now as a coach, that oftentimes you hear people, and you may find yourself doing this, that you define happiness with pleasure. We get very focused on only seeking things that bring pleasure. And so we're always needing more, we're needing more excitement, more money, more this, more that, because that's how we kind of measure happiness. Mm. 
And really, it narrows our ability to experience happiness because it involves the full gamut of experiences. So in their discussion, he was talking about an analogy of embracing all of our emotional experiences in our quest to be happier, not just the positive emotions, but all of the emotions. And he referred to a poem by Rumi. It's called The Guest House. So I wanted to share that here just to kind of draw out this image a little more. So The Guest House. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Hmm. So Vishen, the host of the episode and the guest were discussing this. And I think it's a really important one. I talk a lot with clients about sitting with our emotions And I think a lot of us have gotten used to, clearly, we want the emotions that feel good. We want laughter, joy, excitement, pride. And we want to shy away from the ones that are more difficult to experience. But he talked about the fact that we have to be able to embrace all of the emotions because they're part of the whole spectrum of human experience. And in the episode, they had some people joining. It was a Zoom meeting, but they had some people joining and asking questions. And a gentleman asked how he could help his son, whose marriage had just fallen apart. He was talking about being able to process painful events like losing a relationship, loss of identity, loss of a job. And you and I have talked about this a number of times, but this past year has been one with a lot of losses and specifically kind of the ambiguous loss that we've talked about. So we talked about the idea that in a Buddhist way of thinking about it, it says that suffering has two levels. The first is inevitable, and this is where we embrace, accept, and let in the experience of the pain. But the second level of suffering is a choice. And that's where we try to reject the first one by avoiding it, repressing it, or distracting ourselves from it. And I always share an example from a Tara Brock talk that I liked from years ago. And she talked about those words a little differently, but she said, pain is inevitable. We're all going to have physical pain. We're all going to have emotional pain. But suffering is a choice, and it's when we try to get out of pain or not embrace the pain that we create our suffering. Dr. Ben-Shahar talked about if we don't allow ourselves to experience all of our feelings, we try to reject and keep them out, the painful ones, that we actually interfere with our healing and then our ability to enjoy or experience happiness. After we embrace the emotion, then we can work toward becoming happier again. 
but you probably find this with a lot of people you talk to and you may experience it yourself. Our goal is often, how can I get happier now? How can I help someone else be happier? And he really emphasized the importance of letting others and letting yourself experience and acknowledge the pain first. Mm. And then in time, the movement will be more toward how do I become happier again? And then if you go back to the SPIRE model, which of those five areas do I need something in right now? Do I need some intellectual stimulation to increase my happiness? Do I need some emotional, relational, or spiritual? I like this idea of thinking of those kind of, you know, some people talk about different pillars of life, whatever basis you want to use these, maybe they're the stones in the cairn of your life. But to think about how can you bring into more focus which ones of those you need to work on right now. And over the past couple of episodes, you and I have been talking a little bit about kind of goals and things people want to be working on as we've entered into this new year. And so I thought this episode was a good one to think about maybe making one of our goals just to be happier. How do we increase our happiness? Rather than it doesn't just have to be one big task that we want to get done or one big change we have to do, but how will we bring in more happiness to our lives? Yes, I thought back to that. I was trying to remember which episode it was that I can remember you talking about the, is it Karen's? Always makes me think of Karen like a name. (laughs) That's the way I say it. I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. I can't remember which episode it was now, but I can remember thinking then and it's reminded me now. You're talking about, I guess, the importance of, of balance and trying to bring the level up across all of them rather than I think it's all too easy to focus on one's areas that either need attention or you feel that need attention or I guess areas that you feel you're more productive in or are busier in or it's very easy isn't it to focus on certain areas of our life and just kind of ignore the other ones right I think the the message that one of the messages that's coming through from this and remembering that previous episode was that actually it's important to look at all the areas Mm -hmm. and try and bring that happiness level or whatever you like to call it up in all of them Mm -hmm. make them all a bit happier I really like that distinction and I think it is a small thing it feels like a small distinction but it's big in meaning Mm -hmm. the difference between being happy and being happier Mm -hmm. it's just the implicit implication isn't there straight away that there are already things, you know, that are good that you're building on rather than trying to find this elusive happiness. And I like the way you spoke about, he was talking about it, like looking at the sun. And when, first of all, when you were discussing it before you talked about the sun analogy, it made me think of, you know, when you get those things in your eye, I forget what the the floaters, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Those little black specks in your eye. Um, And it made me think of that. And if you try and look at them directly, you can't. You lose them. They go away. The only way you can look at them is to sort of go into that soft, hazy focus where you're not looking at anything and then you can see them. But the, the minute your attention tries to hone in on them, 
they disappear. You can't catch them. They're mm-hmm. very elusive. So it made me think of that. And from a kind of law of attraction way of looking at it, if we are talking about I need to create happiness, I need to find happiness, we're focusing on the lack of happiness. And so again, if you can be in that place of acknowledging I have some happiness here and I want to keep attracting or creating or welcoming in more happiness, there's just a better flow to Mm. it rather than I'm outside of happiness and I need to find it. And also just going back to the taking small steps towards something it all of a sudden just feels like a really big goal as well mm-hmm. you know my goal is to be happy it sounds like a a really big undertaking whereas thinking back again about the small steps you know what tiny step can i take tomorrow that's going to make me feel a little bit happier tomorrow than i did today mm-hmm. and it could be the smallest of things couldn't it absolutely and in which of these areas mm. Some of his examples I thought were just interesting too are the little bits of information. For example, people who take a lifelong learner approach that keep focus on learning throughout their lives, we see some data that they actually live longer. Mm. And so that intellectual part of us is important. And, and I'm sure you've watched some people who just kind of give up on that part. You know, they think they're too old for it or something, but those people who are open to learning all of their lives, that that really benefits them. And again, factors into happiness. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I think you mentioned a couple of weeks ago about one of your tendencies is to be sort of all in or not. You're a bit sort of all or nothing. And it made me think of that with the learning thing. I have a tendency to, I get really into something and really into the learning or I kind of switch off and I want to sort of switch my brain off and watch things or, you know, absorb things that doesn't challenge that part of me. And I think like with all things properly, the best place is to be somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. I think my takeaway from this episode is Again, it kind of touches on something I had already been thinking, but sometimes when you hear someone else say it, it kind of drives it home a little differently, is that happiness is not like a state to get to. It's a it's something to always be working on and increasing, and that I want to continue working on not seeing it as pleasure is happiness, that even difficult things make room for more happiness, experiencing all the human emotions and all of the experiences in my life and for others to do this as well, but to really work on not expecting that in order to be happier, I have to just keep experiencing pleasure, that that's not the only factor in happiness. Yes, and I really like the poem that you read and this notion about embracing all emotions and switching that perspective a little bit to what we can learn from it that there's always something that you can get from any emotion even if it feels a bit uncomfortable in the moment Mm -hmm. rather than dismiss it I like that and I like the the hamburger principle that you were talking about as you were discussing the different areas I could think of some overlaps with with things like Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies Mm -hmm. and the different kind of tendencies you have. I thought with the hedonistic 
area made me think a little bit of all oh, that sounds a bit like a rebel tendency and and perhaps you know it's a good idea to to look a bit about what your tendencies tend to be and mm-hmm. work on embracing other things to try and counteract some of those things when it comes to the the how you relate to future and the present and this whole mm-hmm. idea of happiness yes lots lots and lots to uh, to think about very interesting you just reminded me of something by james clear he also talks about that idea that our decisions in the moment we are often making them to seek pleasure and avoid pain but that's about the immediate mm. the end result of them in the future is very different and usually those are kind of flipped And so this chart made me think about his discussion of goals and habits as well. So the key thing that I'm going to take away is where you started, really, and that subtle distinction, but that feels really big and something that I'm going to keep reminding myself of. And that's to make my life in these five different areas and that's another thing is to perhaps focus in on the areas that I tend to ignore but that word happier versus looking to be happy or looking for happiness I'm looking to be happier nice I like that well I hope everyone finds some ways this week to make their lives a little happier and I look forward to talking again soon nice I like what you did there (laughs) (laughs) here's to a happier week (laughs) 